be really uncomfortably close to some of you because you guys are uncomfortably close to one another. I'm the only one who's uncomfortable. I don't think that that's true, actually, Derek. I'm like, I saw I got a couple of. Oh yeah, yeah. I got a couple of amens, um, like verbal IQ amens when I said that. So we've been meeting up on the backspace the last few weeks, and we saw that when we came closer together, something happens among us when we can hear one another sing, when we can see each other worship, and when we can like be touching elbows and shoulders with one another. The Holy Spirit moves in a way among us that he doesn't when we're scattered out in the far and when we're seeking our own comfort, when we're seeking a place that's safe to sit, which I understand when you come to a place like this, you want to find some place that's, that's safe. You're not too close because you're not going to get spit on right here in the front row or called on like I do with Doug all the time. Um, me and Doug, have we've got a thing, right? You're, you're my living sermon illustration. Um, so... Uh, so I wanted to bring us closer together, and these seats are not helpful for that, because these seats do a couple of things. First of all, they were made in the 1920s for people who were my height and shorter, so anybody who is taller than me, which is all of you, have a hard time sitting in these seats. I get it. I get it. They are uncomfortable. So that's why that back row is the most comfortable, and that row here in the middle where we can kick our legs out is great, um, but what happens is those comfort places draw us further apart, and it spreads us out. And I want us to be a church, be together. So I'm really contemplating ways that we can solve this problem, and I don't know what the answer is. But So I'm, I told this to somebody recently, I really want to grow our church, but I'm really good at doing things that will stop that from happening. And this is one of them, and I'm sorry. <laughs> so this is exactly what we're going to do, is we're going to gather together. So I want to say thank you for honoring um, our ropes and stuff. I really appreciate you doing that and finding a place to come together and sit. So we're starting a new series today. Um, it's called Pray First, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but I want to start with telling you um, one of my first experiences with group prayer. So when I was a kid, I, I grew up in church pretty much from the time I was in second grade onward. I was in church pretty much every Sunday, and uh, all the way up into my high school years, I went to youth group and things in middle school, and then once you went to high school at our church, they invited you to come early to youth group to pray for youth group. And in our context, you know, doing things like coming early to church and praying was a very spiritual thing to do, which means you get like, you know, you get your badge, your Boy Scout badge, the spirituality badge. It's like a little halo, golden halo. And everybody looks at, oh, you earned your golden spiritual badge. Yay. And so I really like pleasing people. That's what I like to do. So I would come, I decided to come to church early and pray with my youth group. When I got there, I got there late. And, which is always a bad thing to do, right? Just showing up late, you're like wander into something, you have no clue what's going on. So I wandered into this thing that I didn't know what was going on. All of our youth group chairs were set out, and on the front row of those chairs was about eight to ten kids, high school kids, that had been gathering together for quite a while to pray with the youth pastor. And they were all on their knees. Some of them were weeping. I'm like, what is going on here? What, what happened? You know, what's, what's some tragedy going on around here? These people are weeping. And they're, and they're just praying, and they're praying and praying, and I don't know what they're praying about. And then our youth pastor, who was like 6'4 and 110 pounds, so he's just, just a, a stick, and he had like, he had Neanderthal arms, you know what I mean? Like, they're longer than his body, so his knuckles actually dragged. So he was 6'4 with these enormous long arms, and he was walking around the room. So everybody else is kneeling. He's walking around the room with his hands in the air, fingers like dragging across the ceiling, and he's going, oh, Jesus Oh, Jesus, like for 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. I, nobody said, here's how you do this, and this is what's going on. I was confused. 
I was lost, so I, I went and knelt down in my little corner, and I was, like, beginning to cry because I was scared. <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't because I was, like, emotional with Jesus. I was just scared. I didn't know what to do. And then the youth pastor says, all right, let's, let's all just gather together. We're just going to gather together, and we're going to hold hands and pray. You know, when, when people start saying, let's just do this, you know there's something more behind that, right? So, so we gather together to pray. And I'm like, okay, I don't know. Nobody, again, nobody's told me what to do. So I get in this big circle, and, and then all of a sudden the people beside me reach over and they grab my hands. It's awkward, right? They reach over and grab your hands. It's always awkward getting in a circle and grabbing each other's hands because you know on one side you're going to have a Viking, right? He's like that guy, like, and then he like wants to raise his hand mid-prayer, mid and you're smelling his armpit, and you're like, what are you doing? Viking. And then on the other side you've got the dead, wet fish, right? It's that limp held and... Their hands all clam. It's okay to laugh about this, guys. I'm serious. It's okay to laugh about this because it's real. I try to be somewhere between the Viking and the dead fish so that you get kind of, you know, a, a firm handshake, but probably a little sweaty. Sorry. Um, so then we, can, we begin to, to pray in this circle. And I'm busy thinking about Viking guy. My hand's like hurting. And over here, I'm like, oh. And the youth pastor, he prays for like 10 minutes. And it's like this really spiritual prayer, and people are kind of bouncing on their feet. And I'm like, what is this even happening here? And then he stops praying, and the person right next to him, guess what happens? She starts praying. And then the person next to her, he starts praying. And then I'm like, oh, shoot, it's going around the circle. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? How do? I don't know what to do. I don't, how do I pray out loud? What am I even supposed to say? What am I even supposed to pray about? Nobody's even told me what we're praying about. They're just praying. And, and it's going around, and then all of a sudden it skips a person. And I'm like, what just happened? How do I have that happen? How does, how does that happen? And then, and so I'm busy, like, this is, I'm like totally, I'm freaking out. I'm sweating, I'm scared, and it's coming around to me. And here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. And all of a sudden, the, the, the Viking squeezes my hand really hard and doesn't say anything. He squeezes my hand again, I'm like, squeeze back. So now we're in this squeezing match. He's squeezing, I'm squeezing, he's squeezing, I'm squeezing. Nobody's praying. I'm like, what do I do? And then all of a sudden, the person beside me starts praying. And I'm like, it skipped me. What just happened? Yay! <laughs> Turns out there's a code for this type of prayer. You squeeze the person's hand, and it means skip me. I don't want to pray out loud. But nobody told me this, right? It's a secret. It's a code. It's a great start to prayer, right? It's a great way to learn how to pray. I have realized as a pastor that I have come into the ministry very much like I came into um, that prayer group. First of all, nobody taught me how to pray. I just went to church, and you're just expected to know how to do it. Secondly, as a pastor, I come into this, and I just kind of assumed that you all know how to pray. My, just, just being honest, I failed because I made an assumption. You know what happens when you assume, right? I'm not going to say it, Doug. You're like, I know what happens. Right, you know what happens when you assume. And so I made this assumption that you all knew how to pray. And it turns out that that's not necessarily true. See, I figured that something magical must happen when you accept Jesus. You know, you raise your hand and you pray. That's the first thing that you do when you come into the kingdom of God. You pray a prayer. You talk to God and say, Jesus, I, I want your life. Will you live in me and I in you? And can we have a life together? Would you save my soul and, and teach me to be like you? And it's the first thing we do. But there's this assumption that because you prayed that prayer, now you magically know how to pray. And it's not really true. The reality is that many of us are very uncomfortable with prayer. We're uncomfortable with group prayer. Um, it's mysterious. 
and it's weird. And the goal of this series is to take the mystery out of it, to take the weird out of it, to take this fear out of it, and allow it to be what it is. Because prayer is, first and foremost, what it is to be a Christian. Because prayer is simply talking to God like he's your father. It's simply just being with Jesus and talking with him. So we want to talk about that and talk about practically what it means and how do we do it. Because praying is a big part of what we do. So we've called the series Pray First for two reasons. First of all, it's the first series of the year. <laughs> Play on words, right? First series of the year, we're gonna, what, did we, what did we talk about this year? In December, I'll ask you, what did we talk about first? And you'll be like, oh, pray, pray first. But secondly, because we want to encourage you to pray first before you do anything. Prayers aren't empty words that we just hurdle at the sky. They're conversations. In fact, the most important conversations of our whole lives because they're conversations with God. So we want to pray first. When we pray, we receive strength to endure through hard stuff. We receive wisdom to guide us when we don't know which way to go. Take a deep breath. I'm like pray, breathing hard. I think maybe it's because I'm close to you guys or something. I don't know. Yeah, not getting enough oxygen down here. We pray when we're in the midst of pain and hurt and loss. When we pray, we receive freedom from our fears. And above all, we receive a connection to Jesus. We pray first because it's about connecting with Jesus. This is what we learn in EHS, about just getting time to be in the presence of Jesus. Because we know when we get into Jesus' presence, you know what happens? We change. If you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you read those Gospels, that's what you see all the time. Whenever Jesus shows up, lives are changed. And we know that when we show up, in the presence of Jesus, our lives will change because he is present. He is there. The Bible says that Jesus is Emmanuel, which means, how many of you know? God with us. When we accept Jesus into our life, basically what we're doing is we're declaring him as Emmanuel, God with me, God with you. I have bought into this thing. I've invited Jesus into my life, and so he is for me, Emmanuel, God with me. We pray first because no work of God has ever been done that did not begin with prayer. It did not begin with an invitation from God's people for God to move and to work and to act in this world. So we pray first about what God wants to do and see if we can be a part of that. Pray first before you make a plan, before you start a class, before you make a move, before you eat a meal, before you go to bed, before you go to work or to work out, before you go on a date or you go on an argument. Pray first. Pray first. So the first half of this series is all going to be focused on how do we do that? And why do we do it? How do we pray and why do we pray? And we're going to talk a lot about that. And then the second part is really going to be about what do we pray about? And we're going to be incorporating that along the way. So the first thing that I've did this year already in January to make our church not grow is to draw you guys together and to squish you in. The second thing that I'm going to do... <laughs> I'm going to have a list, Simon, of long, a long list of things I'm going to do to keep our church small. The second thing that I'm doing this year to keep this church small is focusing on practice. We've talked about this the last two weeks. The church too often spends too much time talking about how to be a Christian or what it means to be a Christian or how being a Christian changes your life and not enough time actually doing it. So each of these weeks, we are going to invite you to pray. Now, I know you're already wiggling in your seats. It's going to be okay. We will show you how. We will tell you how. And you know what? This room is just full of grace. Because it doesn't matter. We all have to learn sometime, right? 
no matter how long you've been alive, you're still learning new words. So you shouldn't feel ashamed when you come across a word you don't know. No matter how long you've been alive, there's still things you don't know how to do. There's signs you don't know how to read. There's situations you don't know how to act in. Let's learn to give ourselves grace to learn. And that's what we're going to do as a church. An atmosphere of grace in which we can learn to pray. So you ready? Ready? All right. Use up all my time talking about that. So I'm going to spend the next, like, eight to ten minutes. I'm going to talk about a real basic form of prayer. Then we're going to have a time where we actually just practice it together. And then we are going to uh, sing a song. And then Heidi's going to come, and she's going to talk about a form of prayer and share with us how to do this. And then we're going to practice it together, and then we'll sing a song to close this morning. That's what the rest of our time is going to look like. Um, So let's get engaged and be ready to be together. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. It's surprising to me that when I went to college, they didn't teach, teach a class on prayer, per se. Um, it's surprising to me that as a Christian growing up, I never was offered an opportunity to just learn. Like, you want to learn how to pray? Let me teach you how to pray. Because one of the things that the disciples did very early on in the ministry with Jesus was ask Jesus, how do we pray? And Jesus taught them. The book of Matthew actually incorporates his teaching on prayer into the Sermon on the Mount, which is like this... Yeah, you guys think our sermons can be long, you know, 30, 40 minutes? This guy's like preaching for days on a hillside. But in his defense, it was Jesus. So, you know, you get a good speaker, you want to listen. So here he is, he's up on the mountain, and he starts this teaching with this. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, and then we're going to jump down to verse 5. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So let's stop right there. Jesus says, what I'm about to teach you is about how to live a life of righteousness, how to live life with God, looking like God, being like God. And he goes, but be careful, because these things I'm going to teach you, you can quickly twist them and turn them into something where you're looking for the spiritual badge, like I talked about before. You're looking for your Boy Scout badge with the golden halo so that people look at you and say, oh, you're so spiritual, you're so great, and, and it makes you look good in the eyes of men. But the point of this teaching is not so that you would look good in the eyes of men, but so that you would relate to God, so that you would be with God. So let's jump down to verse 5, and this is what he says. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Other versions use Gentiles. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues. I'm sorry, not Gentiles, the Jews. For they love to stand in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Would you guys say this with me? Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Yeah, that last part wasn't in the Bible. (laughs) Yeah, yeehaw. We added that one, but that's okay. And, and did you notice that I did, I did this. I switched to King James language. 
Did you guys, how many switch to King James language? Memorize it in the King James? It feels just slightly more spiritual when we do that. It does. Um, which is interesting that often in the Bible, if you, if you look at different translations, they'll work really hard to translate something like this prayer into a common vernacular, except for, for things like this prayer, they'll, they'll leave some of the holy language in it. It's strange. It's a conspiracy. So Jesus says this, when you pray, it's said twice, okay? When you pray, when you pray. Jesus is making an assumption, and when Jesus makes an assumption, it doesn't turn out like when I make an assumption. As his followers, Jesus assumes that we will pray. It is what we will do. Jesus actually expects us to pray. It's not weird. It's not abnormal to pray. It's not more holy or more spiritual to pray. It is what we do as followers of Jesus. This whole section of the Sermon on the Mount is about our relationship between us and God. And Jesus is saying it's not weird to pray. It's expected because you're going to relate to him. You're going to have a conversation. Here Jesus was, deals with two big prayer problems, and I want to touch on these really quickly. The first one was the problem that the Jews had. The Jews looked for the spiritual um, the spiritual authority to be over people. They looked for that badge of honor. And so they would, be, they would pray to be seen. And here's how it would work. The Jews would pray three to five times a day. And it was at appointed times during the day. And so some people, they would be dressed in their special robes that showed that they were very spiritual. They had their prayers actually tied onto their, their jackets and their pants and their hats. And they had these dangling prayers all over them. And they would go around. And what they would do is they would literally make sure to be someplace conspicuous when time for prayer came. So it's noon, and I'm walking across the street. Oh, shoot, here I am in the middle of the street. It's time to pray. Don't mind me. I'll just be right here praying. And look at me, I'm praying. And then when the time of prayer was over, all the cars could finally go. All right? They're looking to be seen. And Jesus says, look, if you're looking to connect with God and you're looking for some sort of reward for being with God, those guys have already received it because the reward they really wanted was to be seen by people. They weren't looking to be seen by God, which is what prayer is about. They were looking to receive a grade from the people around them. A, B, C, D, E. Well, no E. A, B, C, D, F, right? <laughs> Failure prayer. They're looking to receive this grade on how spiritual they are. I think if Jesus were teaching this lesson today, he would take this principle, though, and he would flip it over because our problem in the world today is not so much, I don't think, I mean, there's no, there will always be people who want to pray and look spiritual to feel good about themselves. But our problem in our world today is that actually people don't pray. Not that they do pray and do it wrong, they don't pray. Why don't they pray? I think it's the same reason that a lot of times we don't sing when we're in big groups, because we're actually worried about the grade we will receive from the person next to us. We're more concerned that people will not see us as spiritual will not see us as spiritually competent or capable singer. We're worried about what people around us think, not what God is thinking. And so when it comes time to pray and you're in the circle and the Viking squeezes your hand, you're thinking more about what the Viking is going to think about what you say than you are about what God wants to say and wants to hear from you and that relationship that you're going to have. When I was in college, I, took, I did take a class on pastoral ministry, and one of the things we had to do was to write a prayer which I thought was the dumbest thing in the world because I knew at the time that there was no way God listened to written prayers. It just wasn't happening. Except for I actually think that written prayers are really cool now because it's a good way to record your prayers and it's a good way to, to, to think through what you want to say. But at the time I thought, this is stupid. And the second thing I thought was, I got this pompous teacher 
and was going to read my prayer, and he's going to grade it. I'm serious. He's list pompous. Um, and I had to write this prayer, and I had to do the assignment. And can I tell you what? I failed. I got an F on that paper. And I actually don't remember specifically the grade I got. I just got an F on everything in that class. It's actually the only class I ever failed. I failed his class and had to take it over again. Oh, stupid that I talk about that. It was pastoral ministry. You're like, some of you are looking at me going, you didn't put that on your resume. Failed pastoral ministry? Yeah, I didn't like that guy. Anyway, um, and it illustrates what I'm talking about, that he was grading my prayer, but he wasn't grading what the content of the prayer was. He was grading how it read out loud, right? But we're looking at one another, and we're afraid that we're being graded by the person next to us. And I want you to hear this. God does not grade our prayers. He does not give us a grade on our prayers. He doesn't. He's not like, you're like, Jesus, I need to pray. And God's like, give that guy a C. Nice try. Keep getting working on that one. Keep working on that. God doesn't do that. He's just happy to be in your presence. He's just happy to be with you. So that's the first problem. The second one is this. So God doesn't grade our prayers. The second one is this, is that we're taught not to try to talk God into something. So he talks about the Gentiles. And in other translations, instead of the word Gentiles, they actually use the word pagans or heathens, which is a really nice way of talking about somebody. And he talks about the pagan practice of praying to the gods, and it would be like the god Aphrodite or the god Zeus or whatever gods they happen to be having, Roman gods, Greek gods, uh, Middle Eastern gods, all these different gods, and people would come and they would pray for hours and hours and hours, and they would beat themselves sometimes or cut themselves or make sacrifices, and they would use words over and over again, tons and tons of words, and what they were doing was revealing really what they believed about their god, which is this, that their god was stingy and capricious and had to be convinced to pry his fingers away from one of his blessings. And Jesus says, when you pray, don't pray like that. Don't, don't spend hours saying something you can say in a few minutes. God doesn't need to be convinced. He already knows what you need. He already knows. Now, don't hear me saying that you should not spend long periods of time in prayer. What I am saying is you don't need to spend an hour to say what you can say in 30 seconds. Because God knows. He doesn't need your explanation. He doesn't need your many words and flowery language and, and big speeches to make him want to bless you. We spend great deals of time in prayer not to convince God, but to understand what God wants from for us, what God wants in our world. So when you pray, don't use a ton of language. You don't use a ton of time. It can be 15 seconds, 30 seconds. It's very short. It's easy to do, and we can all do this. So then he takes this model. He gives us a model, and I want to do this real quickly. Jesus teaches us how to pray. He says, don't be like this. Don't do it for other people, and don't sit there and just batter God with words, okay? But he says this. Jesus says this very simply. He says, here's a model for prayer, and he gives us the Our Fathers, as it's called. It's a model for prayer in four ways, and I'm going to go really quickly because then I want to have a stand and actually pray it together. First of all, it's a prayer that you say. When we are children, we learn how to speak by listening to other people talk, right? We listen to words. We begin to form them. You know, and, and if you're a parent, you've done this. And I love doing this with all of my kids. And I'm going, Dada. And they look at me. Dada. 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 
mama. No, 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 no. Dada, dada. Yes, do that. You know, not mama, dada. And you work on it, right? That's how you learn how to talk. And then you're in first grade, and you're learning bigger words. And then you're in third grade, and you're learning bigger words. You learn them by listening and repeating them. And this is a prayer that teaches us how to pray as we say it, as we repeat it. We pray it slowly, we pray it thoughtfully, and we learn to pray. If you've never prayed in your entire life, this is where to start. This is the beginning point. Pray this. In fact, in the book of, I didn't write it down, the book of Luke, I believe it is, um, when Jesus gives this prayer, he says this, and when you pray, say this. The book of Luke, say this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's a prayer you say. Secondly, it's a model uh, for prayer because of this. It's simple. It's very simple. When Jesus gave an example to follow us, he gave us a simple one. So don't make it hard. That's what humans do really well, right? We take the most simple thing and we try to make it as hard as we possibly can. We try to make it as complex as we can. That's what we do. Jesus, he sits down, he says, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Here it is. It's simple. It's easy. Anybody can do this. Don't make it hard because the best metaphor for prayer is simply a child talking to their father. When I come home on, a, say, a Friday night and the kids want pizza for dinner, which this has never, I don't think has ever happened because we pretty much have established we don't go out for pizza very often. But just imagine, I came home, I come through the door, and all three kids come running up to me. Dad, can we have pizza for dinner? Yes, of course we can. That's a simple prayer, right? Can we have pizza for dinner? But what if they do what many Christians do? And they come running up to the, come to the front door and they go, Oh, Holy Father, I beseech thee, on behalf of my brothers and sister, may we please have pizza. Not that we are unhappy with the food that the Holy Mother provides. Thank you, Holy Mother, for providing dinner. Nor are we ungrateful for the many works that you do in order to provide the food to provide them that the Holy Mother puts together. Thank you, Holy Mother, for making the food. But pizza makes us happy in the soul. So we beseech thee again, O Holy Father, would you please, please take us to pizza? Amen. Thank you, Mom, for making dinner. I would look at them like they were nuts, right? Like, why didn't you just ask for pizza? And why are you talking to me? Talk to Mom, the Holy Mother over there. She, she's... It's simple. We don't do this as kids as we go for simple. We just simply communicate what we want, what we need. And God is the same way. He doesn't need your flowery language. He doesn't need all of these things. You just simply pray. Sometimes the best prayers are the shortest prayers we have. The prayer that I pray most often is this, Lord, help me. <laughs> Anybody ever pray that? Yeah. Lord, help me. Yeah. It's an arrow prayer, right? You just like, we got put that thing in. Boom, there it goes, right to God. Arrow prayer. God, help me. Jesus, be with that person. Jesus, could you, could you just bring peace into this situation? Simply ask. Don't make it hard. Third, it's short, unlike my message. It's short. Praying it slowly and thoughtfully doesn't take much more than 25 seconds. Many of us secretly think that it takes tons of time to pray. And we say things like, man, I just don't have time to pray. I just don't have time to pray. And the reality is, since it's short, it, we all have time to pray. 
We all have moments that we can just shoot a prayer up to the Lord, or we can acknowledge his presence in our car, in our work, like Dylan putting in a light bulb. Jesus is present, and you can pray. You know, John is running a track hoe. Jesus is present. He can pray. Jan is chasing sheep. He can pray. God is there. Pastor Jamie is chasing sheep, but <laughs> different kinds of sheep. He can pray. We have time. It's short. It doesn't take an hour and 25 minutes to pray. It doesn't take much more than 25 seconds because God is with us at all times. It's about connecting with him, not about convincing him to do something. And I just want to say this. If you feel like you have to pray for a long period of time in order to pray, that is a more pagan idea than it is Christian. It is more of a pagan idea than it is a Christian. And Jesus tells us not to do it. Lastly, prayer is natural. His model teaches us that prayer is our natural rhythms of speech. There is no special prayer words. There's no magical cadence. There's no code words that we have to use to get God to understand what we need him to understand. The cool thing about God is he created people and he created language and he understands every language of everybody all around the world. There are people who spend their entire lives trying to understand language and God creates it and understands it. If we as a people grunted at one another and made ourselves known, God would understand our grunts. If we as a people spoke in Chinese and we prayed in Chinese, God would understand in Chinese. He gets it. He doesn't need us to explain what we're trying to say. The rhythms of prayer are natural. And I've realized that very often people, and this is something I've had to unlearn, are intimidated when Christians pray with their special code prayer words. They start moving into the King James speech, right? These and hallowed's and thou and thy. And, you know, we start using this special prayer language or we, we bounce on our feet or we take deep breaths and breathe them out. And there's good things behind all of this stuff. And I'm not saying that Christians who do this are crazy or whatever, but what I want to say about it is this, that people are intimidated by it. And they feel like they can't pray because you pray this way. If you are praying in a space like this, let me just encourage you, use natural speech. Pray like you're talking to a friend because you are. Pray like you're talking to one of your closest friends in life that you can tell anything to and that you don't have to use special language or special breathing or special bouncing techniques in order to get their attention because God is with us. God is Emmanuel. He is here. He is our Father who desperately loves us and wants the best for us. So we pray as Jesus taught natural cadences, natural conversation, natural language. Did I take any of the mystery out of that for you guys? Did anybody hear something this morning they needed to hear? Can you just raise your hand if you heard something you needed to hear? All right, eight of you. Good. Good job. All right, we're keeping the church small this year, okay? So feel free to respond to these things. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite us to stand, and what we're going to do is slowly and thoughtfully we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. And I've given you a bullet, not a bullet, but in your bulletin you have a note sheet. And on that note sheet is the Lord's Prayer written out, okay, on the back. It's right from Matthew chapter 6. So as you stand, I want you to take a pen in your hand. And as we pray this, I want you to circle the thing that stands out to you, the thing that maybe you're struggling with, the thing that maybe is hard for you. It could be, you know, forgive us our debts. And we're not talking about like I owe on my house. We're talking about I hurt somebody and, and I know that they're angry with me. And God, I need them to forgive me. 
or God, I sinned against you and I need you to forgive me. Maybe it's that forgiveness or or maybe it's hallowed be his name. Like that means his name is holy. And I'm thinking of you, God, as some sort of, you know, barnroom animal that I'm talking to or something like that. Or I'm talking to you as though I'm a friend at the bar and I don't think of you as holy or separate or set apart. Maybe that's the thing that you need to circle. And this is what you're going to pray for the next week is God help me in this. For 25 seconds, 30 seconds, God help me in this. So let's stand together. We're going to pray this out loud. And as soon as I'm done, worship team, I'm going to have you guys go back up. All right, let's just begin with the Our Father. And remember, just circle the thing that stands out to you. So just an attitude of prayer, knowing that Jesus is present and he is listening and he is teaching us to pray in this moment. Say this with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. Would you remain standing as we sing a song? I think I'm actually going to be worse. But before church, Janice comes up to me and says, I just wanted to tell you, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing with Jamie Moore because I believe that you're gifted and you're a natural speaker. And then she says, um, it's not it's not like that for me, but I share out of obedience. She says there was this one time, she said, that she got up front, where were you? In Thailand, and she had 10 minutes to prepare, and she just had to rely on the Holy Spirit to speak through her, and she's like, you probably, you've never had that happen. You probably haven't had that happen before, but it's amazing. And I was like, oh, that is amazing. I hope that ever happens to me. Um, And then Jamie started preaching. I was like, what I prepared doesn't go with what he has at all. They don't match. They don't go together. God, what? I was like, ah, and fear settled in on me so strong. And I was like, crap. I mean, crud, crud, crud. Like, I... I spent time this week, and this does not match. And Jamie had a sermon. That was a full sermon. Like, we don't need anything more than that. I was like, God, you gave him a sermon for us this week, and if I speak, it's going to be too much. Although I I like what I had to say, what I wrote, um, but it's too much. Like, what am I supposed to say? Maybe nothing. Um, maybe nothing. 
I think what I want to remind you this week about prayer is is what God told me this week about prayer. I pray because I am his beloved and he wants to know me. Um, I think that's why we pray. And something else I learned about prayer this, this two weeks ago, and maybe this is what we're going to do to close, I don't know, is that um, when we sing, we're praying. And I never thought about it that way. When we just sang that song, we were praying to God. Um, I have a quote. I'll share it with you if Chris could put it up there. Maybe this is how we'll finish today. Christians are singing people. From ancient monks chanting the Psalms to Wesleyan hymnody, I don't know. Music has always been a way for the church to hone its theology and practice prayer with artistry and beauty. On every Sunday, in every corner of the earth, you can find Christians singing. From Gregorian chant to African-American spirituals to acoustic acoustic worship band. You think I can say that? That's what we do. To Syriac, Syriac chant to East African, Kuwaya, we hear music echoing from every gathered community of Christians. When, when Jamie and Audrey and um, Taylor and I met to talk about prayer, something that resonated with me and something that Taylor shared is that we don't want to talk about prayer for seven weeks and we don't pray. Like, I don't, what is the point? And I thought, I've read a lot of really good books on prayer. You might have read some of them. Mark Batterson, The Circle Maker. He writes about praying circles around your kids. It's a good book. Richard Foster, catchy title, Prayer. It's a really good book. I've read lots of them. And sometimes I don't think I pray anymore any differently. So over this time, we want to give you opportunities to pray. Every week, we're going to pray here, together, out loud, in different ways. We also want to invite you, specifically at 10 o'clock on the back space, as a community, we pray together. And um, it's not like what Jamie shared. It's not like that story. It's, it's easy to be a part of. I love it when he tells a story I've never heard. We've been married for almost 18 years. I'm like, oh, a story I haven't heard. How exciting. Um, it's not like that. You can pray. You can be quiet. You can listen. I invite you, 10 o'clock here, come and join us to pray. And there's one more thing that Jamie and I would like to invite you to do with us over the next, I think it's seven weeks, is we're going to be praying, Jamie and I are committing to praying the Psalms together. We're going to pray two a day. We're going to pray a Psalm in the morning, and we're going to pray a Psalm afternoon, evening. And we would like to invite you to do it. I love it when we do things as a community. I started to realize it doesn't really matter what it is. I love that we did Project Nourish together and that our kids knew about what we were doing and that my high school daughter wrote a paper about it. Like, I love that we did it. We're growing together. I love when we take classes together over the years, the different classes. I, I love when we go through series together. I would love to read the Psalms with you over the next few weeks. And why do we pick the Psalms? Um, the Psalms have been read for 
centuries because they teach us how to talk to God. They teach us when we are so flippin' angry with God that we have no words that he's there. When we feel like he's forgotten us and that he doesn't care, the Psalms remind us that we're not alone and that he does care and that he does see us. The Psalms remind us when we are ecstatic and we, like, don't even, God is so amazing, they give us words. For some people, words are easy for prayer and they come flowing. But for some of us, I like the Psalms. I like praying other people's words because sometimes they're not easy. So I invite you. Something that Jamie and I have been talking about at home is that um, even though we're, we're pastors, we've been Christians, we forget the things that we want to do. Like the daily office when we were doing it, we would forget. So we actually have started leaving our stuff on the dining room table. This might seem like a super practical tip, but if you want to read your Bible, and you really do and you forget, put it in your car. I know a lot of the young adults told me that they just leave their Bible in the car. So when they get in, they read it. Or they told me they turn off the radio when they get in the car so they remember to pray. So I encourage you, if you want to do it, think about it. Where would I in the morning? Where would I remember? By my coffee pot. That's a really good place for me. Um, we keep it on the dining room table. I don't even like anything on my dining room table. It bugs me. I'm a minimalist, but I'm like, but if I'm going to remember to pray, this is what I have to do. So um, I invite you to do that. And we're going to start today. Um, kind of why I was like, well, we don't need to do that. It's because Jamie already had us read a passage together. And you don't do two things in one message. Every good speaker knows that. You stick to one thing, and that's it. So I was like, that doesn't make any sense. But we're going to read Psalm 1 together. We're going to start today. I invite you. I invite you. I'd love to do this with you. And it holds me accountable because I, I need it. I just need it to do the things that I want to do. So we're going to read Psalm 1. And then when we're done, Emma Hall is going to come up and lead us. And as we close today, do you have a little bit of time? Let's sing. Let's pray. Let your words be prayers. Let them be um, working out of your prayers as we sing today. So we're going to sing. We're going to say this together. I'd like you to stand. I'd like you to stand with me. So I don't know how you feel about yoga. I'm not going to make you do yoga. But I actually really like yoga. And I struggle with it a little bit because sometimes the things they say are really weird and really not Christ-focused. Like my yoga instructor says everything's about me, right? Everything is about you. This is for you. This is So in my heart, I like, uh, you know, speaking the voice louder. This is not about me. This is about God. And when she says meditate, I come with a meditation of something that God has put on my heart, and I bring it to the class. So I'm still working it out. But she says, when you come, show up on your mat. Like when you're there, you're there. You don't think about what's to come. You don't think about what went on in your day before. You show up and you're present with your whole body, your whole mind. And I'm like, I want to say that to people in church. When you come here, show up. Show up on your uncomfortable seat. Show up in your space. Be present with your heart and your mind. Don't think about what you had. Well, you know, not to be like, put it all behind you. But focus here. Make this space be about God. So I say that to you. I, I say that. Let's show up. Engage your mind. If you were daydreaming a minute ago, focus. We're praying right now to God. All right. 
So we pray this slowly with me so we can let the words sink into our hearts and soul. Blessed is the man slash woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But in his delight is the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are all like chaff the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Amen. Amen. Emma, would you please lead us? <laughs> 